Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What Do We Call This Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylin. A um, little few housekeeping things before I introduce our guest today. Um, please don't forget to rate and follow the podcast. So far, still just on Spotify. I'm still figuring out stuff for the other platforms. Um, so, yes, please do that. It really helps the podcast out. It helps me out. Um, and I just like to see what you all are thinking about the podcast so far. Um, let's see. I also have um, Google Forms for listener write-ins. There's a few different prompts for those. Um, I want to hear from all of you. Uh, it's super special to like get to hear your own story on a podcast. Like That's always super awesome. So I want everyone to have that opportunity as well, especially while it's still a little smaller. Like I'm able to get to everything because we're manifesting growth for this thing. So yeah. Um, but that's all I have for housekeeping stuff. Um, today I am joined by Jody Riker. Say hello to everybody. <laughs> hey everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know Jody through um the pole studio that I was going to when back when I was in Santa Cruz. Um, you don't teach there anymore? Or do you do subclasses? I I don't remember. Uh, no, I'm not there anymore, but I okay. teach at Cirque Tumble Cheer and Magnetic yeah. uh, Pole Fit, and I've got a couple other studios actually in the works. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, so yeah, I used to take classes with Jody, and um, I remember just feeling like, um, I remember feeling like how patient and encouraging you were in the classes, especially like, it's funny, like flexibility and conditioning, you would think it's just like, okay, we're going here to like, have this like maintenance for this, you know, really in intense like art form and um just like the physical exercise that is pole dance but um it just felt like so much more than that especially in your flexibility and conditioning class because I'm really hard on myself about that stuff like I'm still <laughs> working on the hip mobility I'm like this is so frustrating <laughs> so yeah I just remember yeah. that um and you're also just like helpful and understanding with it and it's just been awesome to see like the progressions that like you have made for yourself with flexibility. Um, and I just really admire that. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Thank you. Good to hear that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, do you have anything you would like to share before we dive in today? Oh yeah. So I can do my quick introduction. Um, yes. So yeah, I'm Jody, or I also go by Riker. Uh, pronouns are they, them. Um, I've been in the circus world um, for about like going on 13 years now. <laughs> um, I mainly do pole acrobatics is like my passion and my main thing, but I also do aerial and ground acrobatics and lots of things like that. And I also do math. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cool. You said 13 or 14 years? Yeah, so I got into the pole world when it before it got like really popular. <laughs> oh my gosh. What was it like 13 or 14 years ago before it did, you know, kind of blast off? I mean, yeah, it was just so different like the you know, like there's just not as much access to information, so you know, instruction isn't as standardized i mean our industry still isn't super standardized but i think we're yeah. kind of moving in that direction um i started out like i just i was taking a lot of different dance classes and then i saw an ad for pole dancing and i had seen like some youtube i think of like felix kane that like everyone at my time saw 
And I was like, yeah, I want to try that. That looks hard. And um, I actually got a pole before I got to take a class because there were no classes locally. And then I was like, this is hard. I don't know what's going on. I can't do anything. And then I saw the ad for the pole dancing classes in somebody's house. They were just, you know, teaching like kind of like private. So just me and my best friend, like learning pole together with Christella, who's awesome. My first pole teacher. Um, And yeah, immediately just fell in love from there. (laughs) That's so badass. Oh my gosh. I, what? Let's see, 13 or 14 years ago. I put, was YouTube a thing then? I can't remember. I'm like, how old am I? It was yeah, like yeah. just so starting. It was definitely, yeah. Is that like a tool for it? Different. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I remember like, so me and my best friend, we both got poles before he had a class. <laughs> and we would go to each other's houses and like we'd watch like a video of some like static spins. And I just remember like sliding straight down. Like I didn't know about <laughs> the grip or the rubbing alcohol. And I was like, what's going on? Like I can't like spin it all. <laughs> and it was super hard. And so, but then when I took classes, then, you know, I was like, oh, okay, this makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, uh, and then you like see all these awesome videos now, like, 14 years later on social media and everything just looks so like seamless and perfect and you would never think that something like the grip or like the shoulder engagement would be would have to be explained to someone like it looks so like natural and you know people (laughs) of course are sharing it on social media but oh my gosh (laughs) yeah no it's crazy I mean just watching how like the level of difficulty from like when I started like what was a hard trick versus now like it's just insane you know there's just no comparison yeah (laughs) what do you feel like was the like the phrase that I've been using with like other pole people I've had on the podcast or just like other flow artists has been um like what was that like breaking point for you I don't that's hard to describe what's a better phrase or a better string of words like at what point did you really see yourself start to be able to do even more difficult moves um, than like simple inversions of leggings and that kind of stuff? Like how, when did you start doing your contortion stuff and how, like how long did it take to like go over that plateau? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. um, Well, yeah. So I think it depends on, yeah, which skill we're talking about. So I did, uh, I was always like, really into like weightlifting and I I dabbled a little bit in like I was interested in bodybuilding at one point until I realized it was all about looks and then I wasn't interested anymore so Mm -hmm. I had a lot of the upper body strength that was like always really natural for me so I remember from day one like yeah my teacher had me inverting from day one which is like you know nowadays like I don't think people would really do that usually but um You know, I mean, I was strong enough to do it. So, and so I picked up like, you know, and shoulder mounds, like, I think within the first month, and Aisha's like two, like, probably within the first year. Um, And so I did feel like I progressed pretty quickly because of the strength, but later learned that, you know, my technique was not quite right. Like, I could, I was muscling things because I had the strength. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. And I think, you know, for me, like, I fell in love right away just because of, um, you know, like I was, I thought dance and ballet were beautiful and I was trying to get into that a little bit, but then I was always felt like I didn't fit in and they would say that my shoulders were too big. <laughs> they were always yelling at me for my, you know, shoulders. I'm like, well, I'm like weightlifting, you know, Yeah. <laughs> and it's like good for stuff like in athletics, you know? And so, yeah. um, 
then when I went to pole, I was like, I just remember coming home and being like, oh, this is the type of dance I'm supposed to do. And I like never looked back. And flexibility wise, I, I did have some issues with my hips. So like mm -hmm. doing, um, you know, like splits and stuff that was like super difficult for me because I, I had tried to do that like from, you know, dance and stuff too. And they, their guidance was to, you know, oh, just sit in your splits while you're watching TV. So I would do that. And then I would like pull my hamstrings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And I didn't realize that I had um, like a hip impingement. Um, so I, that, that's something that actually, like, I really didn't understand that well how to work with. Because even like, you know, going to doctors and stuff, they didn't, they weren't super helpful to like maybe five years ago. And then mm -hmm. I kind of had to learn how to um, work around that. And like, you can actually get rid of hip impingements and like learn how to make space in your hips. For some people, that's like a natural thing their body just knows how to do. And then for other people, mm -hmm. your body doesn't know how to make that space to like move into the more extreme positions. Um, but then like backbending was always kind of natural for me because I think I had oh. kind of a hypermobile back a little bit. Um, so like I always did like a bridge and stuff without training it. Um, and then, you know, but at some point, like the hip mobility will mm -hmm. like impact your backbending progression too. So yeah. I started working on that more seriously when I got to Santa Cruz, um, just because of like access to more instructors teaching flexibility and things. Um, and so then I feel like my, like all my skills kind of progressed quite a bit after I was able to get into more of a circus community. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. It's, I feel like, this I didn't really experience this in Santa Cruz but stuff that I remember just growing up and like you know wanting to try yoga or even like I played volleyball for a like pretty long time growing up and everything was just so like obviously having safe form is a good thing but having like perfect form whatever that means just always felt really forced and like you know like if there's a skill you're trying to achieve there is an element of that but like from a safety aspect and like how everyone's body is just like so different with like what is or isn't accessible like for you you mentioned your hip impingement it's like not like everyone has some thing or you know there are people who don't and it's just like how how do you yeah how do you find someone to help you figure that out for yourself? You know, like I'm constantly questioning this when I'm like working on hip stuff, like I'll be in, um, let's see, pigeon pose with my right leg forward. And it just always makes me want to cry like emotionally, oh. which like, that's a whole nother <laughs> thing. Like, you know, emotions stored in the hips. And I think more people are talking about that now too, but it's so funny. It's always that side. And I'm like, why does this happen? And it's like so hard to get myself to do it every day. Cause I know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think it, oh, it really so real. takes a lot of experience. Um, okay. For sure. I mean, my, you know, journey as a coach too has changed quite a bit since I started teaching and you know I've always I, I think it is helpful to find somebody who moves similarly to you oh, okay um so you know and like don't only train with that person I always advocate no, totally. to training with like lots of different people um you know train with someone who looks like maybe how you want to look or moves how you want to move too but um it is helpful to work with someone who's yeah like for me had a hip impingement too and maybe uh, can share some of the things that work for them and mm -hmm. then, you know, as a coach, like, 
I mean, I just found it really helpful to actually, you know, start learning, you know, uh, biomechanics and things like that, I think is really important. Um, and, you know, that's not really, or at least hasn't really been a, like a prereq for teaching pole or, or circus, but I think the industry is pushing a little more towards that because it does go into, you know, physical safety, but then also, yeah. I mean, maybe mental safety too. Um, mm -hmm. cause like you said, like everyone's got a different body and not all the same cues work for the same people. And yeah. I mean, it, it really takes a lot of experience to like be able to watch how somebody moves and then identify what their strengths are, what movements their body likes to do, mm -hmm. um, to help them get to the tricks that they want to get. Because a lot of times, you know, shapes might look the same. You know, like say, I don't know if you know what an eagle is, but it's like kind of super bendy pole trick, like yeah. from a ballerina. Um, you look at different pictures of eagles and people are putting their hips in different positions or putting their back and their shoulders in different positions, even though to the average person, like it's going to look like the same trick. And mm -hmm. so you have to learn. So either the student needs to learn how their body moves to attain that shape. Like, do they naturally have more shoulder mobility or do they naturally have a lot more back mobility um, or hip mobility? Or, you know, do they like internal or external rotation of the hips? Um, things like that. Um, and so then you can try to, you know, work towards that skill, but using your the strengths that you have. And um, and yeah, and we always have to be careful, too, about saying like certain positions aren't safe, like universally aren't safe. Um, for example, you know, like in general, when your arm is overhead and you're loading, mm -hmm. so you're like hanging off the bow right. or something. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> for most people. I learned that from you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for most people, externally rotating and shrugging is going to be, you know, the safest position to be in for most of the time. Mm -hmm. However, I've seen a few people like, you know, internally rotate and load and, you know, like I would be careful about doing that all the time. Totally. And I would also encourage that person to, you know, train up to loading, you know, that position. Like you wouldn't mm -hmm. want to start with your full body weight in that position, just like with any position you'd worked up to that. But like, if that was, you know, important for you um, for a certain goal, or if that just felt better for some reason, like, I'm not going to say that nobody can safely do it. Or same thing with like people used to always cue, like, don't take your knees past your toes you know, like in a squat or something isn't safe yeah. for your knee. Yeah. But like realistically, you know, if you're an athlete, you're going to probably end up in that position yep. at some point and you want to be able to have a knee that is strong enough to, you know, keep you safe in that position. Um, so, so yeah, it really gets complicated. And I think, you know, it's always important to, um, I think not like make absolutes when you're teaching, you know? Yeah. I, oh, that's appreciated to hear from like the teaching aspect of the art because I've tried, I'm trying to, it's like hard because I don't want to, it's not like, <laughs> I don't want to like shit talk a studio or anything, but just like trying <laughs> drop in classes and just seeing like the different ways things are and even more so with travel and like being in different places, like there's like maybe more of a pressure to like really push yourself and like one area like even just from a cultural standpoint than another and mm -hmm. it's it was like I got my first iguana like a month ago and it was really cool oh, nice. and like the studio owner was like super nice but I I don't think I've ever been so like 
um like verbally pushed that way to just be like you can do it like you're you can do more than you think you actually can but then like being scared of like am I safe like is this a thing because I've never done this before and like you know (laughs) yeah I mean it is always a balance finding like because like as a coach it you know I mean depending again on students goals but for most students like you do want to push them yeah but you want to push them you know at the right amount Mm-hmm. and figuring out like what is that right amount that is good for each person you know it's going to be a little bit different um and yeah there's a huge you know difference in like you said like how people are teaching and studio cultures and things like that i do think we're moving towards some maybe better standards for the industry um but yeah i've you know lots of times i mean more so when i was um you know like say five, 10 years ago, but still now, even I have instructors say like, oh, this is the way to do it. You have to do it my way, even though (sighs) like, you know, my pelvis is different. So maybe I have to move around my pelvis in a different way to get into the shape, Um, you know, or um, yeah, I mean, and I think it just, you know, it holds people back or like in some ways it can be a safety issue too. Like, Mm because when you have something like an impingement, you actually, don't want to push into the impingement ever yeah. even though a coach might be yelling at you to do that <laughs> but oh, um, yeah I guess the others the other side of it too is like access to information and I think you know a yeah. lot of people they're they're well-meaning they think they're doing the right thing and I'm sure I did this too when I was a coach at first because I probably thought like you know I'm supposed to teach this trick this way um but um yeah so hopefully the information is you know shared more more now so that everyone has access to that I'm I'm curious how you've seen like what's the one or a few of the biggest shifts that you've started to see in the industry from like the coaching perspective with like how you're teaching people like how you mentioned like oh when I first started out maybe I did think I had to teach it this one way and like how that's being more talked about now so yeah in terms of the industry changing I think honestly I saw the biggest change during the pandemic. Mm, I think a lot of people were at home. There were a lot more um, people were developing a lot of resources online. So, you know, like a lot of us had access to people that we, you know, across the country or even in a different country. Um, And so I think that was huge. I mean, I definitely not only appreciated that for just having access to say like, one of my pole idols, Gabby Barrio in Guatemala. Um, so I get to train with her like every week, which is really yes. like amazing. Um, but also having access to like information from people like Cirque Physio, like Dr. Jen Crane, who, you know, she shares a lot of really helpful things, particular to circus artists. So she's, you know, a physiotherapist um, and she has like courses available and things like that. And there's a lot of other PTs too, who are doing that as well. Um, and so that was when I feel like I really learned how to not only help myself with certain things that were challenging, like with my hips, but also how to better coach my students with understanding biomechanically, like why would I give this cue to somebody? So mm-hmm. like, I think whatever you're teaching, um and this goes for like when I teach math too like if I give a correction I should have a reason why I'm giving that correction you know yeah I think that's important it's like easy to loop that back to like when you're a little kid and 
like a parent or guardian says like to do something and you ask why and they don't tell you <laughs> oh yeah I was like I was always that annoying kid who's like why 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 <laughs> I was oh, like yeah. I need to know why <laughs> yep oh I relate I relate I relate <laughs> see well that that's like a perfect like understanding that you have as an instructor and um for pole and then also for math like you understand how frustrating it is to not be provided the why <laughs> yeah no definitely which is super cool and, oh my gosh yeah and you know and we're not going to have all the answers either so yeah, i also think it's always fine to say like you know i don't really yeah. know but i've heard that this is you know recommended or you know or maybe you even realize like oh i never thought about that maybe i should actually try to you know learn why why this is a common cue and things like that and yeah. i think being really open with students is really really good yeah uh, always appreciated from a student perspective. <laughs> um, uh, I could talk about this kind of stuff for days, and we w we will continue to. But I did want to um, loop in, like, what I, I'm curious what your experience has been as you know a creator, a performer, a teacher for bat. Oh, I hear a lawnmower. Sorry about that. <laughs> for both um, math and aerial. I'm saying aerial arts, like in general, is that okay? Because I know you teach a bunch of different things. Like you you do the lollipop stuff, you do the lyrist stuff. Is aerial arts a, a, good, a great way to like group it? So, I mean, I think people use the terms differently. Um, okay. I learned from like the circus world that, so aerial is like the hanging apparatus versus okay. acrobatics is any apparatus that also uses the floor as part of it gotcha so that's why i usually call like you know traditional pole that's attached to the floor i would call like acrobatic pole okay but um yeah, i'm not too picky about it okay cool i was <laughs> like i know you what you know what i'm referring to but i'm trying to like figure out the best way to like loop it in because you do so many awesome like um you know <laughs> artistry forms and movement forms but um yeah like what your like experience has been um in all those different roles i guess um while also being a person on the autism spectrum and like how that has been like you know there's like ways where that let's see brings up like um i don't want to say roadblocks but like different ways that you have to like interact with people versus like how it really does expand like your you know ability to like share things with people in a different way than no one would like think does that yeah i, I phrased that really weird <laughs> it's like hard to oh, like no. phrase the long question you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah so i think um yeah there's definitely things that my autism I think has like you know ways that it's benefited me a lot yeah, yeah um I do think that it's like I mean I remember being a little kid and like mm -hmm. sexist things were like always like I was like you know five or six and calling people out for being sexist so I was like why you know why are you telling him to do that I mean to do something different and like that was always like so obvious to me that that those are yeah. social constructs um, so I do think that it's always been easier for me to see, like, assumptions, mm. if that makes okay. sense. Okay. So then I can see maybe more easily when, okay, what happens if I remove this assumption? Um, which, you know, ties into, I think, you know, being creative, like doing things a little differently, because I can yeah. see, like, we don't have to do it this way. Um, and I definitely 
you know, I love living in my head, to be honest. Like I always, I'm very like vivid imagination. So I've always had an easy time, like I'll choreograph in my head. So that by the time I actually do the choreo, like it's a lot of it's there. I mean, timing, you know, sometimes takes me longer to actually do the stuff that's in my head that's kind of really fast. But um, (laughs) it goes way faster than the actual movement. And then you're like, I'm trying to get all these Usually I'm like, there's no way I'm doing that that fast. (laughs) 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 But um, yeah, that's definitely helped. I mean, I feel like I have more ideas than I've ever would have time to actually even try out. So, like, I, I think I'm okay. pretty, like, prolific in terms of, like, creating. Um, and so that's something I love about being autistic. Yeah. Um, and not that, you know, autism is very different for everybody, too. So it's not like every totally. autism person, autistic person has that experience. But then, you know, there's definitely some things that are challenging that I wish um, I didn't have. But I think one of the bigger ones is just feeling like, kind of like an outsider or that like it's hard to communicate or that you know society's rules are built for people who are not autistic and so sometimes like because autism is technically a disability so a lot of times I feel more disabled by people in society than actually Mm -hmm. by my autism you know again that being said like I have ASD1 so like some people have a lot more challenges um but like you know, especially when I was younger and I didn't know I was autistic. Um, like I remember, like I had to teach myself how to smile. Like at some point, I realized um, I was like, "Why are people so uncomfortable around me?" It's, or they think hmm. that I'm like in a bad mood, or I don't like them. And I was so confused. I was like, "Why? Why is this happening?" Like I'm not in a bad mood, and I like them. And then at some point, I noticed the pattern of like, "Oh, like they're looking for me to smile." And so I had to like teach myself how to smile. Yeah. Um, and um, I do have a little bit of like face blindness. So sometimes like I don't recognize people. Okay. And so people would like assume that I was ignoring them. Um, like if I'd run into them and I was like, I just don't recognize you. Um, yeah. Things like yeah. that. Um, and then in circus, um, there've been a lot of spaces where I feel like there's this I mean, I think a stereotypical kind of like, you know, performer, especially mm-hmm. is like really outgoing and yeah. almost kind of like flamboyant, or you know, and totally. um, so sometimes I, I would feel like people are like, why are you such a weirdo? Like, I mean, <laughs> and I mean, I do remember one time somebody was like, I forget, we, I feel like we got a gig or some opportunity or something. And yeah. And it's just like, why aren't you smiling? Or like, why aren't you excited? And I was like, I am excited. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. oh, I'm not like doing it like the way she's doing it. Um, so yeah, there's that. I think, you know, and the older I've gotten and also after getting diagnosed um, mm-hmm. was really enlightening. I've learned how to like say, um, you know, because I, I also will get worn down a little bit more quickly than most people like with social interactions. So I've learned a lot more about how like, you know, I have these limits. So, um, you know, I want to make sure I'm not around, you know, engaging with people for longer than I can, you know, like handle, effectively, yeah. you know, kind of handle. Yeah. Um, or maybe I make a space where I can go like be by myself. Mm-hmm. So I like know where I can go to do that and kind of like reset or maybe have my headphones with me or, you know, um, yeah. so a lot of things like that, which I found to be really helpful. And, um, I have since then connected with like other autistic performers too. And so that's really cool to see that they're 
there really are a lot of other people like me because I think um, I think a lot of people do find that you know I mean there's a lot of people like me and that their autism helps them be creative and yeah um, and also being a performer has you have kind of like a different lifestyle like you have odd hours and stuff and like sometimes making your own schedule versus like I can't ever see myself doing like in you know a nine to five like wouldn't Ugh. really work for me not yeah. that, I mean yeah. I did have to do it when I was like younger totally. and had like you know some normal jobs but like doing that for their whole life like I would rather work seven days a week at like you know a few hours a day or something yeah than work yeah. like all day like I can't really sit still for that long <laughs> that's yeah. so relatable I I al- I almost like view it as it's so not natural I feel like that's not natural for like yeah any being <laughs> like yeah uh yeah, yeah. It's not getting <laughs> getting out of that recently has been like very refreshing but now I'm like whoa like there's a whole nother world out there and there's so many possibilities like what do I what do I make of it you know and just like trying to figure <laughs> out like oh it's awesome that there's so many possibilities it's also really intimidating yeah. but like I guess that's beautiful because then you're not limited to like say that nine to five like you said and like that being said, you know, there are plenty of people who like, you know, thrive in that environment and they have that guaranteed, like, um, you know, a few hours after work to themselves, but I totally relate. <laughs> totally relate. <laughs> yeah. That stuff's draining. It's so draining, but like, yeah. you know, even more so like with all other, you know, sensory things and like sensitivities that can come up with autism like I I would imagine that would be really exhausting yeah no definitely I mean yeah I think the social stuff is really hard and then Mm -hmm. I mean I do um I mean I can get distracted like visually sometimes Mm -hmm. that's why a lot of times like eye contact is harder for me I used to be like worse about it but um like I find it really distracting to look at things while I'm thinking so I feel like I have to like turn my eyes off when I'm thinking like um, do you feel like closing your eyes helps more or just like like looking around so that's why I I guess I look up I didn't actually yeah. know I did that until I had people start telling me like why are you always rolling your eyes at me and I was like what oh, yeah <laughs> so I was like I'm not doing it on purpose <laughs> so I now that I'm you know aware of it like I try to be not do that but um yeah, but it's, it's also who you are. It's well. like, yeah, yeah. If people know you, like, they know that's definitely not the intention. And, you know, if. Well, I even you're... had people who knew me say that. Oh, wow. Interesting. Like, yeah. No, I had a lot of people judge me yeah. pretty harshly. Um, and then, like, you know, sometimes someone else would be like, oh, hey, that person thinks you don't like them. And I was like, what? They've never talked to me. Like, yeah. what? Yeah. And usually when people, like, actually talk to me, then they're like, oh, you're easy to talk to. But otherwise, then people sometimes. I don't know that I mean I guess most people make judgments about others yeah yeah Um, but I also find like you know visual clutter to be kind of distracting okay um which is a common thing like with people who are more like you know have some type of neurodivergence and um Mm -hmm. are more sensitive with their eyes I guess um as well as like you know noises can be really distracting Yeah, Um, yeah and a lot of these things I know are common things that a lot of people might find um frustrating but it's you know it's one of those things that if if you are and not just autistic but maybe have ADHD or some other neurodivergent thing 
yeah. that you experience at a level as you know impacts your ability to function totally uh, versus totally. just average person being kind of annoyed by it <laughs> yeah yep yeah oh, i didn't even think about that with like obviously i can only like loop anything back to like my own experiences which i think that's how we all operate but like you mentioned ADD and I'm like, oh yeah, like there, there are a few things there that I didn't think about like for myself. And then like that even goes, you know, like looping back to what you were mentioning with like not knowing that you were autistic when you were a kid and like not having that diagnosis until later. Like, I feel like that happens a lot in society and especially like, well, not even society, just like in, I guess you would say like the medical world, but like, you know, um, what was there's a book and it I can't remember what it was called but it's it talks about I'm trying to remember it's so frustrating not remembering it was talking about how a lot of like medical studies are primarily done on men and like today white men yes yes and today (laughs) like the way that people are being diagnosed is like still based off of those studies however Mm -hmm. like 70 years ago I don't even know how long and like Mm -hmm. that just brings up its own other set of problems you know I I really wish I could remember the name of the book I it was like red and black lettering I would have to look through my reading list it's so frustrating I can see it but I like can't (laughs) yeah no that's it's such a huge problem so I'm sure that I'm sure that was a a big part of why I wasn't diagnosed earlier because I think I was pretty obviously autistic. Like I was, you know, like, so I'm a twin too. My brother's very charismatic. And so actually being a twin, that was really helpful for me because I would socialize through him or he would like help me do things like a lot. Um, We were like always together. But otherwise, like I would just, you know, I I would actually walk and just like stare at my feet, you know, because like everything Mm -hmm. was like so overwhelming. Um, And yeah, and like a lot of like I mean, remember you know people saying like, "What's wrong with you? You have to socialize more." And like, um, and then like, not that every you know autistic person does math, but like my earliest one of my earliest memories is like doing math and like solving a math puzzle. And so I was always like off the charts on like math yeah. and stuff. And so I feel like there are a lot of things that were you know pretty obvious. And like if. Um, I was also homeschooled, so that might be part of it too. But if I was like a boy in public school, I think somebody might be like, mm, you know, maybe that person should be assessed, <laughs> okay. um, you know, for autism. Um, yeah. But yeah, the studies, you know, yeah, being just done on white men, it's such a problem. That's why like a lot of people in the autism community um, respect self-diagnosis mm-hmm. as well. Just yeah. because, you know, and also it's really expensive. It was like $4,000 to get diagnosed, which is insane. Like not through insurance, like most insurance doesn't cover it. Yeah. Um. So that's not at all accessible to most people. Um, which is frustrating when you think about like all the other like, um, like mental disorders that can be like tied in with it and how like those are. I would say typically a little more accessible. Like, why would you not also include that? Like that, that's like, that feels like a really systemic thing. 
Yeah, I like really pointed. Very confused why, like, say, an ADHD diagnosis mm-hmm. process seems so much easier. Not that, like, so I mean, I also have that, but I didn't. Uh, I was actually they noted that I had that when they diagnosed me with autism because I didn't know that I had that. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I don't know why it's like that. It does seem like is somebody intentionally trying to not let people get diagnosed? Yeah, um, yeah, that's so weird. It's like this, um, like ominous thing somewhere out there that's like no, and it's like oh wait, that's just our fucked up society. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to be for me it was, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me it was really helpful. Not just because it was like helpful to like know yourself better and yeah, and even yeah. validating in some ways, like that. Mm-hmm. Like these things actually are harder for me, you know, when people are like, no, you should be able to do all these things because everyone else can do them. Um, But like, then it opened up the ability for me to get an accommodation, which Mm -hmm. has like changed my life. Like I felt like I was going to have, like, I was always on the verge of a breakdown. Um, I felt like pre-pandemic when I, you know, since I teach math part-time too, Mm -hmm. since it's very hard to actually live off like performers income. but yeah like teaching in person just was so like I mean I just I'm so glad that I'm doing it online because it's just a lot easier for me to accommodate myself and make sure that my I'm maintaining my boundaries and um and yeah I can be a lot more present for my students I remember us talking about that um when we were talking for your what was it called I'm sorry I'm I'm forgetting the name of the class Oh yeah, my the humanizing STEM. Uh, yes, course, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you mentioning that and just being like, "Wow, that, like there's so much that isn't talked about." I that's just like that feels yeah. like a cliche statement to even say, but it's like so horribly true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I mean, and you know, and it's even harder to get diagnosed too if you're or there's even more discrimination against, you know, black autistic people too. It's even harder to get diagnosed. I've heard a lot of stories about that. It's really unfortunate. It also reminds me too about even, um, you know, like studies into like fitness practices. Most of those studies are done on men too. Yeah. Which it's like, so uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. This fire in here is making me angry. Yeah. (laughs) We don't know maybe the best practices, you know, to recommend for people a lot due to lack of research. Um, and especially lack of research on non-white bodies, non-male bodies, disabled bodies. Um, yeah uh you know plus size bodies a lot of things like that like we really need to do better um and i even remember this made me so mad listening to a recent study into Mm. like fitness and they were saying like oh we didn't include we decided not to include any menstruating people because oh it's so much harder to like you know work around the cycle and like um yeah no shit that's why ah and I'm like, that's why you should not include it. like do better. <laughs> like, just don't say like, oh, we, you know, it's too hard to do that. So we're just not gonna like, you know, study these people. It's like, yeah, that's like like a, like a lot of people. Like, you need to do better. Like, if you're yes. getting funding, like from the government. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then also like, I I don't know if this like gets you going, but like as two people in STEM, like y- there's different ways to like 
analyze that data if you found that that was like a Mm -hmm. factor that you needed to you know account for there's a way to still include that and like make it another interesting part of your finding as opposed to yeah we're just gonna leave it out it's like what that's like a great that's that's a great like section in your paper of like here's something we need to further look into and then boom your next yeah thing to be working on like how Yeah, we we really do need more studies on how to optimize training and, you know, for, you know, around someone's cycle too. I guess the word I was looking for before was control. Like they were saying it's too hard to control for that, you know. Of course, there's a man saying that, you know, who doesn't Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, oh, control. (laughs) (laughs) You said it, not me. (laughs) Just kidding. We were all thinking it. Listeners, we were all thinking it, weren't we? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah, uh, I could I could talk about all the weird shit that goes <laughs> on for days, too. It's truly baffling. Oh. Oh, I had to just take a breath there. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, dang, I had, I keep, I have, like, you know, random words that I write down, so I, like, remember to loop back, and then I forgot to write something down. I'm like, oh, I had a great question for you. But, um... Uh, I did want to, like, ask how, so you said for, let's see, being able to teach online for math has made accommodating for yourself a lot easier. How has that felt in, like, the performing industry and, like, teaching for, like, the different, you know, dance movements, like? how has that translated or is it just somewhere that like you're just you know it's a passion where it may like does it feel overwhelming still or is it different it's it's kind of different so yeah teaching pole and stuff i i do actually prefer to teach that in person just because it's it's a lot easier to see everybody and like Mm -hmm. give nonverbal cues and things like that um and i mean there was a point when i was like you know, why is this more okay for me? I mean, I get overwhelmed with that too sometimes, but of course, um, you know, the classes are so much smaller because like a math class is like 40 mm, people for me. Yeah. Um, okay. And you know, it's, it's always every quarter. It's like a different group of people. Whereas I pull students, if I'm at the same studio, it's a lot of mm-hmm. the same people. And then that becomes a lot less straining for me when it's somebody that I'm familiar with. Um, and then also being able to move is just mm-hmm. like kind of how I relax it, and maybe get yeah. out of my head a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, of course I do talk, you know, sometimes a lot in my classes, but um, it is a lot less talking than when you're teaching math. So yeah, for me, it's just so much less, um, less draining to do poll in person yeah. than to do math in person. Yeah. I I didn't even think about the movement part that you mentioned with like that being able to you said calm like calm your senses down the, yeah yeah I mean my go to like whenever I get stressed is to just to move yeah you know, some yeah. type of movement helps me kind of like reset and get out of my head because yeah. I can have like the obsessive thoughts and things like that um, mm-hmm. and yeah so that's just really helpful. Isn't it weird to think about how, like, kids are asked to just sit still? 
in classes. I think it's horrible. It's like it's torture. So and it's like that's like so it's so unnatural and I'm that's all I can think about now. And I'm like, yeah, it does feel good to just move like, you know, like after you do uh I'm like thinking of my most recent experience, like doing a really hard like yoga pose and then like getting out of it you just get to like shake up all the pain <laughs> like oh <laughs> uh, yeah just like any overwhelming feelings too like feel like you know if sadness starts to feel a little overwhelming or like anger or something like just sitting and stewing in it sucks you know oh, as yeah. opposed to being able to like move and then you know like teaching a pole class and trying to not get overwhelmed like yeah I didn't even think of that that's really cool yeah I mean and there's also I should I should mention the other part is that you know students at a college versus students mm. you know choosing to be in a pole class for fun yeah. it's just like a different vibe because <laughs> a lot of times I feel like I'm the same type of teacher uh, yeah. I like to push people hard I like of to course. give you know creative exercises and things like that um and I'm very passionate about both subjects but then you know, I have to ultimately do have to sign a grade, you know, to, in a yeah. math class. And, you know, I do try to ask my students what grade they think they earned. Mm -hmm. And I that's really important to me that they have feedback in that process, too. But, you know, I mean, once in a while, I do have to assign a grade that a student maybe didn't want. And I hate that. But, you yeah. know, I think yeah. I think that part of it creates more of an imbalance between, you know, like I do have more power in the classroom um mm -hmm. you know because of that um and I don't like that part I guess of teaching at college um but yeah so students have definitely a different different vibe a lot of times in math class than full <laughs> yeah 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 that it's teaching one way or another but yeah <laughs> people wanting to be there versus not they didn't even think about that <laughs> I mean, a lot of them, like, they might want to be there, but it's like, yeah. you know, they need to, they need to get their degree because they, you know, ultimately it's probably right. part of their career path so that right. they can make enough money to survive. So, yeah. like, I get that's stressful. Like, you want to know that you're on your, you know, you're able to. You're like, on the right path needs, or whatever that you know? means. Yeah. 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 Uh, just, just the education system and, like, looping into that, that's. And another stressful factor. <laughs> yeah. Another no, I'm definitely trying to change about. things as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going against I, the system. At least now that I have been there for longer and I can do things more my own way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I I like that. And when we did talk about that last time we met, I just remember feeling like, wow, it would have been awesome to like have you as my, I think it was just, it was simply just Calc 1. <laughs> It felt oh, really yeah. difficult, but I was like, well, it would have been really cool to have Jody as, a, as my Calc 1 professor or instructor. Yeah. Like, that would have been great. <laughs> well, if you ever want to talk about math, no, I, I know most people don't think it's fun, but. <laughs> See, I wish I wish I did. That I remember this is like, oh gosh, how old was I? I think this had to have been in middle school, maybe freshman year of high school. Um. I remember like really loving geometry and then <laughs> having to like, you know, do everything one way or another or, you know, only one way. And there wasn't you can do it the other way or whatever, like 
felt kind of disheartening and then like you know leaning more into the English classes felt like that's where the freedom was a little bit more and that was just with like public education but yeah well yeah I don't I mean this is something that like me and like pretty much like everybody I knew from like pure math in grad school Mm-hmm. We're all like, you know, like, why do people teach math, like, in K-12, but also in undergrad, usually, they, it's like they're not even teaching math, because, yeah. like, doing math is all about, like, you have a problem, nobody's shown you the exact strategy for that problem, mm-hmm. and you need to, like, think about, like, a creative way of solving that problem. So, like, when you have these, and it's a very slow process, too. So when you have these like time tests where you're just doing a bunch of computations and you're repeating a process that somebody showed you, that's, to me, that's not math. Yeah. Even though that's like the most common, like, that's what people think of when they think of it. associate with math. Yeah. And that's why, like, when I said I was studying math before, people are like, well, first of all, they're like, oh, you seem like an artist, not like a, you know, like you would be doing that. And then like, like, but it is artsy in a different way. (laughs) Yeah. And then also people are like, what do you just like solve, you know, do computations all day? And I'm like, oh my God, no, I never would have like studied it. That's like the most boring thing ever. Like, yeah. So I think it's really sad that people don't get to see what's really beautiful and fun about math. Yeah. Yeah. I, this might be kind of a weird question, but like... Let's see, I was looking at, like, some of your videos on your Instagram earlier today to just, like, get inspiration for, like, talking and, you know, like, thinking back to your amazingly smart math background. Like, are you ever in some kind of contortion or pose, whether it's pole or, like, one of the other movements where you're, like, thinking about math while you're in it, because, like, for me, <laughs> whatever I did, this, it sounds weird, it sounds really weird, but, like, the, like, spatial awareness of, like, being in a new pose, I'm, like, I have no clue where anything is right now, and I'm, like, you're just, like, such a well-seasoned, like, mover, and also, you know, like, math whiz that I'm, like, I could see how those two could totally connect, but maybe that's like a weird stretch. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's it's actually not the first time I've been asked that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Um, I was like, I hope this yeah. isn't weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, some of that goes a little bit more into physics, which like I do pure math, which is more like, you know, yeah. playing with numbers and theory and stuff. But um, I mean, I do talk a little bit about like, you know, say like you're doing a static spin and mm-hmm. so you want to get as much power into it as possible. So you need to get your center mass as far away from, you know, the center that you're spinning around. Um, I mean, that's just kind of like a basic physics thing that, I mean, a lot of people can feel out without maybe even knowing that. Um, Or like thinking about like, can I, you know, maybe I'm not strong enough to hold this crazy plunge position. So how do I shorten the lever and things like that? So then it's going to be a lighter load. Um, And I do have some side projects actually where I want to start like a little, like math circus arts kind of series on my blog um i did like one simple one it was just actually from a calculus class um about like you know how much force is required to like lift up um, or how much work is required to lift up an aerialist you know on like a hoop or something yeah um so yeah and i would say you know like being that explicit about like thinking about math while i'm like doing the pose 
is probably not as common as like kind of understanding those basic principles. Okay. But the other thing that I think, um, and especially since pure math is more my thing, for me, it's just, it's a skill that, you know, the more I developed, the better I was at just solving general problems. Okay. Like, okay. That's why I think studying, like, because a lot of you are like, what's the point of doing pure math? Like, it's so abstract. But it's really about learning how to solve, like, whatever problem you're given. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's, like, sim- you know, written down symbolically, you know, in math-like symbols. But, um, and so that's something I use all the time. So whenever okay. I'm trying to learn a new skill and I'm not quite there yet, I try to analyze, okay, like, you know, where am I at? What do I need to do to get there? And I definitely think I'm using, like, you know, my math skills to do that. And the same with students, too, when I'm trying to help them yeah. get to a skill. It feels very, very much like doing math. Because you're basically just able to look at everything from the, the different possibilities that are there. Like, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. there's more I than mean, one way. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, where are we cool. starting? Where do we want to get? Breaking it up into little, you know, pieces. And then figuring out, like, how do I achieve each piece or how does my student get to each piece? Um, And that feels like a math process to me. Oh, that's so cool. I like the perspective. I I respect that. I respect that. Um, Well, you had mentioned your blog. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners? Um, Whoever's listening today. It's probably whatever time you're listening right now. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think like oh my gosh I hope someone's listening two years from now today it is August 19th 2023 what day is it when you're listening (laughs) Um, but yeah is there anything you want to share to like shout out so people can you know check out what you're all about and the different stuff that you're working on oh yeah sure yeah Um, so yeah I have a blog I don't um, write as often as I want to (laughs) Because mm-hmm. I put a lot into each blog, but um, it's on my website, like fulldiversity.com. Um, so I have a blog about, like, say, getting diagnosed with autism and okay. kind of more about that experience. I also have a blog about how I moved kind of, like, not completely out of academia, obviously, since I do teach, but, like, mm-hmm. moving away from academia more into circus because of, I mean, essentially because of sexism. Um and then I have I have some blogs for teachers like or like poll coaches and things like that, as well as for students. I have one that's all about kind of what we talked about earlier about like, you know, it, how do you, you know, work with the body that you have to get the mm-hmm. skill that you want? Um, because I do think like a lot of students, I mean, like this was my experience, you know, with my own journey that you do have to kind of learn how to accommodate yourself if your body doesn't maybe move the way that most bodies move in a pole class. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, industry, hopefully it will catch up. But so I have a whole blog about how I think through that process. Hell yeah. I have to check that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun to read through. But yay, cool. And then um, is there any other social media things you want to share or just your um, blog website? Um, well, yeah, so I'm pretty prolific on Instagram. Um, so poldiversity.coach is where I post like all the combos and tricks I'm working cool. on and student successes, things like that. And then jody.poldiversity is the more performance account, or at least that's 
what I was trying to do when some business person said I should separate the two. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, cool. Yes. Y'all should definitely check it out. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff to watch. I, I was even looking at some of your, I don't, it might've been in 2022, like some of your, like, I think it was like Thursday tip or like tips on like flexibility, oh, yeah. but like, if that's something you're interested in listener and like I, there's a few people like back from steel and grace um that like i saw they had liked it and i'm like i know they would like that reminder because those videos and instructions are super helpful but just everything is super cool and if you're ever interested in the community at all like definitely try it out find find it if it's close by and you know that that's all I have to say about that because there's a lot of cool stuff out there. Um, do you have any closing thoughts you want to share? No pressure if not. <laughs> oh, I did want to mention I also have created a resource that is you know just for it like kind of aimed at instructors and at uh, studios for how to make the their spaces like a little bit more accessible to autistic people. So I just yes. give that out for free, um, just because I didn't really see anything out there like that. Yeah. So definitely you know send me a message if you want a copy of that but yeah other than that oh, thanks cool. for the interview this was fun <laughs> yeah of course I, I'm curious is that is it in your link tree um the um, like so I think I think there is like a link to like you know give me your email if you want to request okay, a copy cool. yeah cool 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 yay yes definitely check that out studio owners studio runners people teaching from home like check it out but yes, thank you for coming on today. I am very grateful for your time. Um, until next time, listeners, thanks for listening to What Do We Call This Podcast. Um, good day. <laughs> <laughs>